Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room today? Everybody good? You guys look fantastic. And I'm also going to welcome all of you who are with us online. We're so glad you're here. Those of you who are out in the overflow, welcome to you guys as well. Come on, everybody. Let's give it up for everybody. Come on, let's do it. Yeah, thank you so much. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here uh, at LifePoint, and I'm so glad you're here. And I want to just say this. I feel like I, I'm supposed to say this. Uh, if you're here today, it's not by accident. Like, you may not have planned to come today. You may have been forced by somebody. You may have been bribed. But I want you to know, um, the Bible says that nobody comes to, to, the, to the Father except the Spirit draws them. So uh, we're so glad you're here. And I want to say it's not by accident. I think God's got something very special uh, for those of you here watching with us today, thank you so much. Uh, God is good. Amen, somebody? Amen. Hey, real quick, before I jump into the message, it's, it's group season where we start to group up. We, we call them life groups. Um, and it's, it's just like an expectation that everybody finds a group. If, if this is home, we want you to find a group. There's some groups that meet, you know, periodically. There's some groups that meet every week. There's some groups that meet for year round. Some groups that meet just for six or eight or 10 or 12 weeks, whatever it is. We want you to find a group. And I want to just say this, given the state of our country right now, the economy, supply chains, all that, come on, we all know words we never knew before, uh, before all of this. Inflation, knew that one, but uh, it, I didn't feel it like I do now. Given the state of that, I would say, if you're, if you're trying to figure out what a group to go to, and there's some amazing ones, okay? I'm not trying to cheat the other group leaders, everybody. But I think Financial Peace University can change lives. I've seen it change people's lives. I think it would be a great thing for you to think about. We bought a site license here, which means that we absorbed a lot of the cost. It's, it's, it's like $120 usually a couple. We've absorbed that. I think you just have to get the resources. Russell Huff's out there. He'll, he'll help you understand exactly what's going to happen. We're going to do that in this room uh, at tables. It's going to be awesome. I'd love, love, love for you to do this um, for the sake of your family, your marriage, if, you, if you're married, your kids, whatever the case is. Let's get ourselves healthy financially. Amen, everybody? Uh, so check that out. <clears throat> we started this series last week called The Lord Bless You. And it's based on a book by a pastor, a friend uh, named Terry Smith uh, from New Jersey. Um, <clears throat> we had a lot of those books here last week. Um, you guys bought them all out before the third and fourth gathering had a chance to get any of them. You guys had already bought them all. We ordered new ones. Um, they were supposed to be here. They didn't show. Come on, supply chain issues. Um, They'll probably be here when you don't need them. Um, but however, uh, Amazon, and anywhere books are sold, you'll be able to find that. And we'd love for you to put your hands on that because every day we're reading through this book together. There's some stuff in the book that we won't talk about here. There's some stuff we'll talk about here that is not part of the book. And so we'd love it if you're just doing this 28 days of, of blessings. <clears throat> Last week, we just told you that God wants to bless you. Uh, fundamentally, God wants to bless you. From the beginning of God's word to the end of God's word, there is blessing. There's 500 or more blessing verses in the Bible. There's 400 verses about God blessing people in the Old Testament alone. Um, in fact, the very first interaction that God has with his newly created human beings, Adam and Eve, the very first thing he does is he that Lord God blessed them, it says. Uh, and, and we said that what God wanted in the beginning, God will have in the end. And I believe that with all of my heart. I think it's borne out through the scriptures. I want to expand now on our understanding uh, of blessing. And by the way, if you missed last week, I'm going to just I'm going to just lean on you, man. Go to YouTube channel. Those of you, some of you are watching on YouTube right now. Go to our website, life1sa.com. Catch up there. It'll make a lot more sense if you do it that way. I want to uh, expand, uh, unpack blessing a little bit more today. 
and say this, that we cannot live in the, in the fullness of God's blessing um, if we're not living a life of purpose, right? To be blessed is not just about feeling good, right, or, or having things, not at all. To be blessed is about, about doing good. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Genesis is the first chapter of the Bible, it describes the creation story. Chapter one, we see what God created. God created mankind in his own image. Right in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God what? God blessed them. And, and I want to hold on to that for just a second. God blessed them. The, the generous Genesis narrative tells us that a, a, a couple of things that are of utmost importance as to what God wants for us, for human beings and for his planet. The first thing we, we find is that he wanted to bless the people that he made, and so he did. And I want, I want, I want, I want to re- reiterate that because we don't get blessed from God because of what we do or what we've earned or what we've, how we've lived. We get blessed by God because he wants to bless us. Fundamentally, it's not about me earning it. It's just that that's who God is. And to be blessed, just to, to remind, to be blessed, if we can skip to that, um, one more, there we go, skip to that, there we go, skip, skip, there we go, there we go. To be blessed means to be in harmonious relationship with God, which as we described last week means that we're at peace with God, that we have peace with God. We are in right standing with God. What, so because of that, who, he wants to, to do good, say this with me, in us and to us and through us right? So important. We unpacked that last week. We'll unpack it some more next week, especially the through us part. But it's so important that we know that blessing, it it comes from harmonious peace with God, all right? So second thing we know is he blessed them and then he immediately purposed them. I want to give you the second half of that verse now. This is verse 28. He says, so it says, the Lord God blessed them. And then it says, be fruitful and increase in number Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over, there it goes, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So his first act of blessing, the very first thing after he blesses them, and and it's part of the blessing is he gives them purpose. He gives them direction. It's like God is saying to, to Adam and Eve and to us by extension, I don't want you wandering around through the earth, wondering what it is that you're supposed to do with your life. Like part of the blessing that comes from God is the fact that we don't have to wonder what am I supposed to do with my life. I'm going to bless you. God says right from the beginning, I'm going to bless you with the blessing of direction. I'm going to set you on the right path. Everybody say the right path. In fact, David in Psalm 23 says that he, that the good shepherd leads us along the right paths. That's what he says, the right paths. I'm going to point you on the right path and point you in the right direction. And, and so um, he, he, his, if we don't understand that part, that, that blessing goes with purpose, if we don't understand that, light, that part right out of the gate, we'll wander through life looking for what we're supposed to do. I see this all the time. Right? I was a student pastor for many, many years. I worked in, I've been working in churches for almost 30 years now. People just having no idea what their purpose is in life and trying to find it through all kinds of ways. And in fact, so, so critical is this to, to our understanding that Jesus 
right before he's going to be crucified, literally right before. He does the Lord's Supper in John 13. They leave. They go out into a garden. They walk along a vineyard. Jesus starts probably because they're in a vineyard. He starts talking to them about being, staying connected to the vine. Remember John 15. He says, abide in me. Abide in me. As the, the, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, neither can you if you don't abide in me. So, so he starts talking about abiding, having a relationship with him, and, and then bearing fruit. The reason... Jesus teaches his disciples right before he's going to die about bearing fruit is he doesn't want to leave them or us wondering, what is God doing in my life? And what is my purpose for being here on this planet? And, and what is wrong with my life? Because sometimes when we don't know, we start to think, what's wrong? And, and why can't I ever seem to get anywhere in life? And why does everything I do and accomplish that I think is going to fill me up, why does it leave me feeling empty? And, and he wanted them to leave that time with him feeling like your lives can count, your lives can matter. So, so, so there is a vision that we have for, for people here. Unashamedly, we have a vision for people who call LifePoint home. For those of you who are at home right now or watching this wherever you are, four things that, that you come to know God, that you abide in him, just like Jesus said, that you come to know God, that you come to find freedom from your yesterdays, from the hurts, the habits, the hangups of yesterday, right? And then, and then we say, we want, you to, we want to help you discover your purpose, the reason why you are put on this planet, so that you can make a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And, and today I want to talk about that discover purpose part because so many people, even Christians, even believers, don't know why they're here on this planet. And, and when you miss this part of, of, the, of the creation story that God blessed them and that he purposed them right out of the gate. When you miss that, we can spend our lives wasting time trying to be blessed. There was a group of people uh, a, a couple of thousand years ago who followed the teachings uh, of a man named Epicurus. He was a Greek philosopher. This group became known as the Epicureans. And the Epicur Epicureans believed that the experience of pleasure and subsequently, the avoidance of pain was the primary goal and the primary good that life had to give us. Now, they weren't like the, the hedonists who, who, who would pursue pleasure and have no boundaries. They weren't like that. But they just wanted to feel good and not be bothered with the people's problems around them, right? Epicureans. They didn't believe in an afterlife. And, and they did believe in gods, little G-O-Ds, Right? Um, and they assumed that those gods were up there having a great party, but they didn't care what was going on with the rest of the world. And so they assumed that life was about pleasure now, here and now, and nothing more. So you got to get pleasure in life while you can, because there is no afterlife. There is no age to come, according to them. So you, you, you experience the good life now. So when Paul comes to the town of Corinth, he's dealing with some Epicureans and, and their philosophies that had had started to infiltrate Christianity. So 1 Corinthians 15, he says, now, if the dead are not raised, meaning if Jesus did not rise, well, let us eat and drink for, come on, tomorrow we die, right? Eat, drink, and be merry, right? So it's a de definitive Roman and Greek idea coming from uh, Epicurus, right? Paul's saying, listen, if Jesus didn't really come up from the dead, and, and neither are we. If there's no resurrection, if there's no age to come, if there's no eternal life, then we might as well just throw in with the Epicureans 
and, and just eat and drink and be merry because we're going we're gonna to die. Squeeze the best of, of life right here, right now. But, but if Jesus did die, I mean, and did die, and he was raised from the dead, and of course, Paul saw him for himself on the road to Damascus. He says, then, then everything changes. By the way, this notion, let's eat and drink and be merry, right? That's, that's a huge part of the culture of our world today, especially in Western societies. Live for fun, live for pleasure, live for yourself, get as much out of life as possible, and it's meaningless, and it's empty, and it leaves you with an appetite for more because appetites are never fully and finally satisfied, are they? You eat, you think, oh, I'm full, and guess what you want to do the next time? You want to eat again, right? And this is an appetite. We'll go to great lengths to find purpose. We crave meaning. We, we, we need to know that, that we matter, that, that our lives are going to count for something. The thing is, this is not new. It's not a Western thing. Like, like thousands of years ago, there was a man named Solomon. He wrote um, multiple books in our Bible. One of them is called the book of Ecclesiastes. And in it, he describes how he went on this purpose expedition. Like he went out looking for meaning in life. And so money and power and scandalous degrees of pleasure, fame. And at the end of it all, he just says, meaningless, meaningless, vanity, vanity is his word. In fact, I want to read it to you. This is Ecclesiastes 2. He says, I denied myself nothing. My eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all of my labor. He says, and yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under this. Nothing was gained in this scandalous pursuit for life's meaning. Some of us, grow up believing that some next stage of life experience is going to magically sort of give us purpose that, that, that a house or a marriage or, or kids or a, a job or a diploma or whatever, somehow I'm going to arrive at this point and it's just, it's going to click. Many of us are old enough now to know that's not how it works. Sometimes you get what you thought was the answer. You get to the next stage, you get the thing and you decide it didn't do it for me. And so you stare at the ceiling wondering like Solomon's doing here, what's it all about? Let me, let me say this before I unpack the rest of this. I think we have to first of all recognize that, that, that our ultimate purpose in life has to be our own salvation eternally, our own eternal salvation. Because it would be a shame to search the whole world over looking for our purpose and be lost for eternity. Come on, God did not come in the person of Jesus Christ to suffer and die on a cross so that we could just have a nice little life everybody, right? He came to give us eternal life. And at the end of the day, our ultimate goal has to be salvation. And those of us haven't walked down that road yet, listen to me. If you haven't walked down that road and bowed the knee to Jesus, right, you confess him as Lord, Romans 10 says, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the death. Like that, we got to do that, everybody. That's what we, that's our next step. It begins there. But for those of us who have, and yet we're going, I still don't know what my life is supposed to be. It may be because we've been looking in all the wrong places. So Paul writes to this, this, these people in a, in a town called Colossae, or Colossae, right? I just said the same thing twice. I don't know why I did that, right? <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. This is huge. He's, and he's talking about Jesus here. He says, for, for by him, by Jesus, the verse, the verse before he says, 
The sun is the image of the invisible God. The sun, S-O-N, the sun, Jesus. For by him, all things were, what? Created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, meaning things like gravity. Can't see it, God created it, right? Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, say this with me, all things were created by him and for him. Huge, huge. The bottom line of finding your purpose is to realize that your life begins and ends with God and in God, and you can search the whole world over looking for things and experiences to fill you up, but because you were created by God and you were created for God, you will never find soul-level satisfaction apart from God. Gotta know this, gotta know this. And, and, and you, you can read every book that was written. You can go to every self-help seminar that's ever been performed. You can go out in the wilderness, hug some trees, right? Dig some, right? Dig inside yourself looking for answers for why you're on the planet. But the tr- truth is you didn't create yourself. And so you and I, we cannot figure out why we were created unless we go to the one who created us. That's how it works. I just got to tell you that you were created by the will of God. You're, on the, you're live right now because God wanted you here now, right? Your very life, come on, this is good news, by the way, is the creation and the invention of a loving God who loved you so much that he willed you to be. Come on, somebody. And your destiny, therefore, and your purpose is also the creation of God. And so Paul says in Acts 17 that it's in him that we live, that we move, that we have our origins, right? And he's talking to the, these, these scholars at the Areopagus in Athens, Greece. And, he's, and they say, hey, tell us about your new religion. He's like, hey, I wanna tell you about this God, the unknown God, he calls him. And he says, that God made the heavens and the earth. And oh, also, by the way, he made you. And in him, we live, we move, we have our being, right? And until we go through God, life will never quite makes sense. And we will struggle to discover our destiny. Everybody's looking for it. Everybody wants meaning. Everybody's searching for that thing, asking all the wrong questions in all the wrong places. But we start going, God, I am the creation, the invention of you. You love me so much that you willed me to be. What do you want from me? That's where purpose begins. God came and he blessed And he gave purpose right out of the gate. That's what he wants to give you. Blessing that involves you going, I get it now. I see what I'm supposed to do. And then you go out and do that. In the beginning, as part of God's blessing, God had something. In in fact, he had some things that he wanted Adam and Eve to do. He wanted them to partner with him in the world that he created. In fact, I think if you discover it, he did every created thing that he made was good, but he didn't finish all that was going to be done or else he wouldn't have created man and say, be fruitful and multiply and take all that I've given you, go take it all throughout the world, right? Some of it he left for them to do. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna give you everything you need to do the thing I'm gonna call you to do. These people who were created in the image of God, they had the Imago Dei on their life. He says, go be fruitful and multiply the God image throughout the whole earth. They were to take what they had been given in the Garden of Eden, which was God's presence, everybody. God walked with them. It was, it was unashamed. They were not ashamed of themselves, right? There was no shame in them. And they had a committed relationship. There was abundance, meaning there was more than enough, right, for them. There was beauty and and much more. And and he says, take all of that 
and fill the earth with it. They were to establish God's rule everywhere on the planet and govern the created world under God's authority. In short, they were to both partner with God in an intimate relationship. They were supposed to have an amazing relationship with God and they were to partner with him to do his work that he left for them to do. Does that make sense, everybody? So then blessing is inextricably intertwined with purpose. It's impossible to be truly blessed unless we are doing what God created us to do, what God purposes us to do. Now, this isn't just true for the first man and woman, right? It's also true for us. Remember, God has not changed his mind about what he wants for humanity. He will have in the end what he wanted in the beginning. And Adam and Eve were blessed, and part of the blessing was purpose. That's what God wants us to do. Paul, again, Ephesians chapter 2. I read it last week. I want to read it again. For it is, come on, say this with me. It is by grace you have been saved, meaning Apart from grace, you and I can't be saved. Everybody understands that. How do we get grace to activate in our lives? Through faith. It is by grace, the free gift of God that we've been saved. We access it by going, God, I believe in you. I trust you. You are the Lord. You are the risen Lord. I confess you as Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. That's how we access the grace that saves us. Everybody understands me, right? We don't do anything for that one. That's God's gift. That's God's. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that nobody can go, hey, look what I did, right? This one is free, the free gift of God. But we are God's what? Handiwork. Some translations say we are the masterpiece of creation, created in Christ Jesus to what? To, to do good works. Now notice this, which God prepared in advance for us to do, which some translations say which God long ages ago prepared for us. The ESV translates that last part for us to walk in. So I want you to just understand There's so much here, but I want want you to understand something. God has been molding you, shaping you, equipping you, the personality that you have, the inclinations you have, the proclivities that you have towards towards invention or creation, however you're wired or numbers, whatever it is that your thing is, God has been molding you in advance, listen to me, in eternity past, he's been molding you and shaping you for ministry. All of you, every one of you, me, you, all of us. And he has reserved certain good works just for you. Certain appointments for you. This insinuates that it is a lifestyle, not just random acts, although that's good. Not just a once a month activity. Realize this is no fly-by-night operation that you're part of. God's been planning you out long ages ago. And, 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 and he's made certain appointments for your life. So I hate my job. Well, you have that job because God appointed you to have that job, even if it's not forever, for this moment, because somebody there, somebody there needs something you have. That neighborhood that you, you wish you could get out of, God put you there. Go read Acts chapter 17. God put you there for that moment, for this time, because there's an appointment he has for you to walk in. Right? Like, I, I hate this house. I can't wait till we get rid of it. Hang on to that house until you did what God appointed you to do at that house, which is host a life group. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> slipping it in. Come on, slipping it in. So, so please know 
that life is not just about experiencing pleasure and avoiding pain and having a nice little life, right? It's about living a life of meaning. It's about the deep sense of, of, of holistic like satisfaction that we experience when we know we are doing what we are saved for and made for. So two ways to lay hold of God's purpose of your life. I said quick ways the first service, but they weren't quick. So just let me not say it twice. Number one, you got to embrace the adventure that God's calling you on. When I was 19 years old, uh, 31, two years ago, I said yes to the adventure of trusting God, not only with my salvation, but with my every day. Yes, God. I was on a mission trip. And by the way, we, we do mission trips not because of the good we can do down there. We do mission trips because of the, God, the good that God wants to do in us while we're on mission trips. I received my call to do what I'm doing now on a mission trip. Like we, we go down, we're going to go to Honduras and Costa Rica. We're going to go to Philippines. We're going to do some good work there. But the best stuff is what happens inside of our hearts. Not what we do, but what God does in us. That's why we expose ourselves to God's work throughout the world. Um, it's been exactly an adventure. Some days <clears throat> more amazing than I could ever imagine. Like I look around and go, how, how in the world did this happen? And some days a lot tougher than I would have ever signed up for. Can I, can I, can I get a witness, right? Um, <clears throat> but God has made me a partner, just like he does with you, with all of us, in his grand redemptive effort. Did God need me, though? No. Not in the truest sense of that word. God doesn't need anything, the Bible tells us. Doesn't need anyone, doesn't need anything. Um, but he wanted me. He called me because he wanted me. He calls you because he wants you to come alongside of him and bring up there his kingdom down here. When my girls were little, um, we'd have them come along and help us. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, to do stuff around the house. We didn't really need the help that they could give at that point. But he, we wanted them with us. And we, they've been on so many adventures um, with Jesus alongside of us. When we moved here to start this church, we, before we even had a name, we were out with the people who were helping us. We were feeding homeless people. Every week we'd gather, we'd talk on Sunday, we'd make food, and we'd take it downtown. Because we were like, we're not going to be a church where we just do stuff inside of a room. We're going to go out and do the real stuff. The, the, we're going to get equipped. We're going to get filled up. It's like getting gas. And then we're going to go out and, and do, right? Like church, by the way, is not a filling, it's a filling station. But if all we do is go, wow, that was really good, man. I love that. And we never drove out of the parking lot and go do something with it. What, what good did it do for us? We're meant to be filled up and go out. That's what we do, right? And um, the church exists in part because those girls at first didn't have any choice, right? To go out and I was carrying Naomi, eight months old, like, like hey, let's hand out sandwiches. And Naomi, three, Noel, three years old. You want, a, you want a sandwich? Yeah, yeah, I want a sandwich, right? Why? Do, do we have to have them there? No. But that's what God does with us, right? God takes us on a journey if we say yes to him. And, and in the process of the journey of going, God, what do you want? What do you have? I'll step up. I'll do. He starts to grow us. He starts to mature us. He starts to deepen us. He starts to shape us. He starts to help us. As we work alongside him, he opens up the world to us. Um, you think about all that exists in this world. When it was dark and nobody had it, somebody, somebody got an idea to make a light bulb. 
God put that in them, right? When, when there is wilderness and desert, people have an idea. What if we rerouted a river and brought it out here? Come on. The, the nation of Israel exists in a lot of ways because somebody rerouted things, right? Like, like, like if, if, the, if the mountains are barren, we plant trees. Come on, somebody, right? God uses us. And, and I don't want to say this because I'm, saying, I'm elevating us, but he uses us as co-creators along with him to do his kingdom work, everybody. Come on, that's what he does for us. And we gotta embrace this calling. God, God's will isn't that we just have a quiet little life that, and don't worry about anybody else. That's not the blessed life, right? That's Epicurus, right? right? We're talking about something else. The God of the Bible cares about this world and every person that exists in it and every person you've ever seen, God loves them more than you can possibly imagine. And his image is stamped on their hearts. And so in a pivotal moment in history, God comes to a guy named Abram And this is Genesis 12. We read it last week. I'm just going to show you the synopsis of it. He says, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land. I'm going to show you. I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be a blessing. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So what happened? So Abraham went just as the Lord had told him. This, none of this happens if this doesn't happen. So so Abraham went. Now listen. Listen. He's living in a place called Ur. Ur is, is cosmopolitan for the time. It's, it's fancy. It's nice. It's a great place to live. And God says, I want you to get up and I want you to go. Where am I going? I'm not going to tell you till you get there. But let me tell you something. When he got to where he was going, it ain't Ur. I like to say, I'm going to say that again. It wasn't Ur. Ur was nice. Right? Where he went, it wasn't anything there. Right? It was going to be awesome. It wasn't yet. And we, were, we look back over Abraham's life, and we're told that he was at the end of his life, he was blessed in every way. But we have to remember, earlier in his life, he said yes to God's call, to the grand adventure. It's not an Abraham lived a nice little life blessing. No, 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 no. This was Abraham risked everything to fulfill his God-given potential because blessing is inextricably intertwined with God's purpose being fulfilled in our lives. Right? Second thing, you got to say yes, but you also got to fulfill the vocation that God calls you to do. And I'm not talking about just your job, although that's part of it. Come on, God, God, I don't care what your job is. God can use you there in powerful ways. But listen, whatever your job is, God puts you there. He's got a plan for you there, there. So question, what is your life right here, right now, fundamentally about. When you think about this, you boil away everything else, what's left? What is your life right now fundamentally about? You need to answer that question. It's true for everybody that two things are true of all of us. Number one, that God created us to worship him. Go three through the Bible We are meant to have a relationship with God. I want you to see this. I'm going to show it to you again and again. God created us to worship him. Second thing is he created us to work with him. Look at Genesis again. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Work it and, come on, work it, right? I don't even know what that means. I feel like I probably lost some man points by doing that. (laughs) Fellas, give it back. Just in case, I I still have a knife, all right? This is your first time here. Sorry, y'all. I, I have knives. I like knives. All right, anyway. To work it, 
and what? Take care of it. In fact, in the Genesis narrative, work shows up more often than even worship, right? That there's, a, there's more said about it. So, so, so we are meant to work with God in the things that God cares about and loves. Quick story, Exodus chapter 2, Moses says, it says, one day when Moses was grown up, if you remember, he was raised in the Pharaoh's household, the most powerful man in the world. He's raised there. He's put in his mother, the Pharaoh's killing all the boys, right? He, he take, his mother rescues him, uh, sends him out. His, the Pharaoh's daughter rescues him. He grows up in the house. He went out to where his own people were because he's Jewish and his people are slaves and have been for generations. He watched him at their hard labor. So one day while he's watching him at their hard labor, there's this, probably a soldier, the text doesn't tell us, that is beating the living daylights out of one of his fellow Hebrew men. He gets so, something happens in him. The sights, the sounds, the smells of all of that beating. He goes out there, fights the man to the death and buries him in the sand. So moved is he by what's happening to his people that he's like, I can't take it. Next day he goes out again, verse 11 says, next day he goes out again, there he is this time, two of his Hebrew brothers are so frustrated, so pained, so hurt by what's happening to them that they're fighting each other, they're killing each other. He gets in the middle of him and says, stop, stop. Moses sees all this oppression and frustration. It takes him to the absolute edge of his emotional limits. He thinks, I can't stand it anymore. Fast forward. Exodus 3, the story goes fast forward. You remember the burning bush, right? The burning bush and the, a voice comes from this bush that's not, it's burning, but it's not being extinguished. And, and God says, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. The, the, the bush is just a, an attention grabber. So Moses will slow down and listen to these words. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down. I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land. And then he says, I'm coming. I've heard it. The same things you've heard, Moses, the, th the same thing that you said, I can't stand anymore. I've heard it too. I'm coming down. And then verse 10, he says, I'm going to rescue them, and I'm going to send you to rescue them. I'm God. I heard it. I see. I know what's happening in the world that I love, that I created. These people, this group of people that I promised to, to their forefathers are going to have this, this, and that. He said, I've heard it. I've seen it. I'm going to come down myself, but I'm going to use you to do it. Think about that. Right? Point is this, and if you don't get anything else today, hear this. I think what's happening is, God's saying to Moses, Moses, what you saw those two days that, that forced you into action, I saw it too. I saw you stirred up in your spirit about the things that are wrong in the world. I'm stirred up in my spirit too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I see it from heaven. I'm going to assign you leadership here on earth to help me help them. I'm assigning you in part, Moses, because I see you're stirred up in your spirit about the same things that I'm stirred up in my spirit about. I see that you love the same people that I love, Moses. I see what it does to your inside. I see your capacity for activism. I've been looking for that in somebody. I'm going to harness that internal firestorm that's raging inside of you. I'm going to use it in a positive, creative way to set the people free. The furnace of frustration that rages inside of you is forging a leadership medal inside of you, and I'm going to use that. And what's happening here now is that God's heart and Moses' heart are aligned. What broke God's heart is now breaking Moses' heart. This is the key to understanding what moves people from the sidelines to go, I'll say yes, God. 
If you created me for a reason, if my life is the very invention and creation of the almighty God, are you kidding me? Then yes, I'll say yes. Use me. And when you say yes, and you finish the, the work God gives you throughout your life, there is, there's contentment that, that can't be ha- had by stuff. Yes, there's fulfillment. There is meaning. There is purpose. All of it encapsulated in the blessing of God. Part of the world, part of what God did was when he created the world, he assigned purpose to everything that exists, including the man and the woman. And he says, Go out and do what God called you to do. I don't have time to unpack this, but I want to just show you. This is in the book. So if you haven't got the book, get this. This is Area of Destiny. This is how you figure it out, right? Mission, where am I needed? Where am I needed? Right? Passion, what do I love to do? So passion would be what breaks, what breaks your heart. What's, what's happening in the world? What's happening in, in society? What's happening with kids? What's happening with students? What is it that, go, that you go, man, somebody's got to do something about that? That's... That's your passion. And then gifting. How am I uniquely gifted? You have spiritual gifts. Look at me. You have spiritual gifts that you don't earn, that give you the capacity, the ability to do things that you cannot do through your own flesh, your, your sort of innate. You have spiritual gifts. You have a story. Some of your stories are, are, are stories of pain and brokenness and hurt and wound. And you think, how would God, how, why would God didn't do that to you, but I'm going to tell you something. God will never waste your pain. He will never waste your hurt. Your wounds that have deepened you, the story that, def- that you feel defines you, God will use all of that. You have a heart. You have passions. You have, you have giftings, and God will take all of that, and he will use it. And, and, and where all three of these sort of intersect is your area of destiny. This is the thing that God wants to do in your life. Mission passion gives. The book of Acts, I'm done right here. The book of Acts gives a one-sentence summation of the life of the king, uh, David. It says in Acts 13, David served God's purpose in his own generation. Not responsible for everything else, I'm just responsible to do what I can do inside my own generation. I think we all want this I think we all want this to be our epitaph, right? Danny served God's purpose in his own generation. Charmaine served God's purpose in her own generation. Come on, everybody. Kevin served God's purpose in his own generation. We all want that, but the desire is in us Sometimes we quiet it, though, with selfish ambitions. Sometimes we suffocate it with the demands of personal achievement or just the demands of what life causes us to have to do. There is this place in Israel called the Sea of Galilee. It's full of life. The Jordan River runs into it, and then the Jordan River runs out of it. It provides a third of the fresh water for the whole country of Israel. The Jordan River also flows into something called the Dead Sea which is one of the saltiest bodies of water in all of the, on the planet, so salty that you can float on top of it and not sink. And the Dead Sea now offers nothing but pleasure. Very few things live inside of it. It's home to countless resorts and spas. It is a portrait of self-indulgence. It's what happens when life gets out of balance, when stuff comes down, stuff doesn't flow out. 
when the blessings of God come down, when the grace of God comes down, but not back out. Grace flows down, everybody. Grace flows out. First Peter 4.10, each one of you should use whatever gift you've received, serving others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Administering, dispensing God's grace in its various forms. If life is a series of blessings that never flow back out, you become the Dead Sea. If I want to be blessed with the blessing of purpose, stuff's got to change. It can't just be about me. It's got to be about we. Grace flows down. Thank you for your grace. Accessed by faith to do what? Good works which God prepared in advance for us to walk in, to do. Not saved by my, by my good works, but I'm saved to do good work. And life will never be what life can be until I say, ah, this is the reason I'm on this planet. And you walk that out. Amen, somebody? Let's don't be the Epicureans. Let's don't go like the rest of this culture. Let's change the culture. Let's impact the culture. Let's take the wrongs and make them right. Come on, let's fight and let's work and let's partner with God in the salvation of the world. God's got his sleeves rolled up, everybody. He's not up there listening to music about himself. Come on, he's looking down at a broken planet filled with people who are hurting and broken and lost and headed for a Christless eternity. Who will go with me, God says, and help me make the wrongs right? Up there, down here, in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. May it impact our lives in such a way that we don't just become hearers of your word, but we we become doers of the word. I pray power and strength and blessing and creativity, God, and people who are hopeless, that they they would be reminded that you are always with them, that you are always for them, that their lives are the creation and the invention of an almighty God who loves them more than they can possibly imagine, but that he sent his only son, the Bible says, because he loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let us take hold of that. Let us live that, God. Let us, let us give our hearts to you, Jesus. Let us choose you. Let us walk after you. Let us, let us realize that the blessings, the more than enough, are not there for just me and mine, but they're made so that I can change the world, so that the blessings of God could come through me In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Give it up for Jesus, everybody. Amen, thank you, God. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.